You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Welcome to the Love Seats Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Darcy Silver. In this podcast, we're going to make me funny. That's right. We are going to explore the world of comedy in an attempt for me to get on stage to perform my first stand-up comedy set. UNLV and the Board of Regents are not associated with this podcast in any way, and the material may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listen at your own discretion and enjoy the show. Uh, and welcome back. Uh, I am still not funny, unfortunately. I am still not funny. Oh, oh, Billy boy. Oh, baby. I, I am not getting it done yet. I need some help. I, I brought in some help with me in the studio today. Uh, please welcome John D. Domenico. Hello. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me on the show. This is great. This is absolutely an amazing studio. Thank you so much, John, for joining UNLV. us here. Yeah, this and, is great. And joining us with Love Seats on, on, yes. our, on our journey as we continue yes. to, to create differentiation in live entertainment. Yes. Uh, Anything to get ticket prices down on seats, <laughs> I am 100% behind. Because they're Brazilian dollars right now. They're Brazilian. They're Brazilian. <laughs> so I am trying to create my first set. I'm yes. going to perform, and it's it's nerve wracking to me. Right? H- how do you deal with it? Um, I am a big canned ham. I was doing stand up when I was five and doing impressions for my neighbors and you know Ambler, which was like South Philly. So uh, I I when I started doing when I was doing stand up stand up, I was just writing everything down and finding where I had kind of the same things repeated, and I would take those three or four things and turn those things into a joke and then move on and you know and I did a lot of open mic nights and you, you know you you're trusting a group of people to have the same view the same point of view as you do that's why a lot of comedians focus on things that are everyday kind of things like I'm noticing your Starbucks cup yep well your name's what's your name Darcy Darcy what's it say on your cup what does it say Garcy oh Garcy, Garcy. Oh. I mean you've got a bit right there of how many times Starbucks has said your name wrong and give give a list of those things yeah you know that's that's funny and the one time they get it right you don't recognize it because yeah. they always get it wrong yeah so you're looking for those things that kind of tie together that everybody can relate to but happens to you yeah so it comes out of your point of view exactly you know i don't i don't do any of that yeah oh really <laughs> well, so what do you do i do character comedy. okay exactly so it's but a whole different years, style yeah but for years when i was doing stand-up regular stand-up before i kind of transferred over to you know the character stuff that was the stuff i was looking for you know what's happening to me the things that can only happen to you make the best comedy once you've do you have your persona yet for your stand-up no so i i want to talk about myself mm-hmm. and i can certainly go a jewish route right I of could, course i could put on the whole garb and okay so i right. walk into a bar Right, right, right. You're, yeah, a Jewish comedian. This never happens. That alone is very important. I'm very unique. 
But yeah, the, those are the things that kind of that build out. And that way, you know, once you set your persona, my thing was kind of I was a little more uh, I was a little self-involved. Well, which I am. I'm a little self-involved because I'm an actor, comedian. So a lot of my stuff centered around that. But it's that that through line, you know, once you crack your persona, your through line is perfect. Everything will fall into that. And even times I would I would write a joke and go, boy, you know what? This is really funny. But it doesn't suit my persona. Yeah. So I would give it to a friend or, you know, hey, if you want something like this, because it's already constructed. So when you say persona, is, is that the style of comedy or you're saying that's once you're, you pick the style? Yeah. No, no. It's not the style. It is who you are on the stage. Mm -hmm. A lot of comedians are just larger versions of themselves. Some comedians are the dumb guy, right? Uh, and some guys are the really smart guys or, you know, like Patton Oswalt's really, really smart. His persona is a super smart, intelligent person. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Got You're it. looking for that space that you fall into. It may not necessarily be you, but that persona, once it's built and constructed that's where the comedy is going to flow okay you know so that's what that's what you want to have sebastian maniscalco probably the single largest stand-up comedian right now who is he he is the guy who can't believe what's happening in the world who are the you know aren't you embarrassed that is his he's built that persona that wasn't originally what he went with but now that he has it all the comedy flows through that persona so that would be like a voice of a character he does because he's normally he, himself, but right. then he jumps into those. Well, once he hits the stage, once he hits the stage, that's his persona. It's just one. It's just well, mo stand ups have you, one. You do a bunch. Well, I do a bunch because I'm doing Trump and Austin Powers and Doctor Evil and Doctor Phil. That's how I do it. But when I was doing regular stand up, you set it, and then that's it. You know what I mean? It's very hard to change your persona. And some people like Larry, the cable guy, um, I forget the actor's name. I mean, the comedian who does him, but he Larry? was a, yeah, well, is it Larry? I think it's another name, um, but he was doing standup, really wasn't getting anywhere. But in his act, he had this character, Larry, the cable guy. He became Larry, the cable guy. Andrew, Andrew Dice Clay was not Andrew Dice Clay. He wasn't the Dice Man. He was his regular self. That wasn't working. In fact, he did, if I remember correctly, he used to do five characters and he closed with Dice Man. Dice Man took over. But even within that context, the Dice Man character, everything flows through it. He's a misogynist. He's a this, he's a that. All those things. So he was able to write all the jokes for those characters. You know, the problem was people started believing he was the character, you know, and he got banned from an SNL or whatever it was. But th that's what you want to do. You Once you find that everything falls into place. Then you can hard, you know, have you done any open mic nights? Nope. What's your act right now? Right now it's talking about me. So, <laughs> okay. So my, okay, my, name good. Is, my name is Darcy and I'm a man. So that- good You got a joke right there. I, I am Jewish. You, yeah, you get the Jewish joke. Um, I was born in Canada. You were born, oh my God. You've got <laughs> a lot I'm of a, material I'm, I'm, right I'm there. Fat. Uh, I'm right. a target of a lot of- Punchlines, generally, right? right? Uh, I'm at UNLV in I, Las Vegas. I think you have five, 15 minutes, like right off the right off the exactly. But start. To, to turn that into something that's funny, right? And to hone in on those types of jokes, right? And to either decide to engage the audience where you're, you know, talking to them and picking, and it's more improv, mm -hmm. you know, versus the same routine script over and over and over right. and over and over again, right? 
thinking about what type of voices, because as you talk about life and you deal with different characters, whether it's my wife or my kids, mm -hmm. which I have five kids and it's, uh, <laughs> be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. But I took <laughs> You're that, following I took that the commandment Bible. very seriously. <laughs> you have to have a man and a woman and we, we, we have extras just in case. <laughs> you have a lot of material just right out of the gate. I would stay away from crowd work though for, you know, until you're super sharp comfortable right? yeah you gotta be really you gotta know you gotta come back both barrels you know crowd work is 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 especially that comes that comes in time you can put your act together relatively easy who are the comedians you identify with well so i love all the different styles of comedy right so i almost want to create something that that showcases uh, the set of it mm -hmm. meaning like i'm not a magician uh, a musician at all right and you know, grabbing a guitar and doing a funny parody song might be something that I would do because I think that's funny and that's a type of comedian like Adam Sandler, mm -hmm. you know, style uh, of kind of what, you know, propelled him a bit, right? Right. And he was a character comedian. You know, a lot of his stuff is not yeah, those pure voices. stand up. Yeah, he 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 would segue between characters and the songs were characters too. So he was unique mm -hmm. in how he did his stand up. Yeah. And how do you create different characters? And do you actually, can you tell the difference in your voice, you know, hearing yourself, knowing that you're doing one character different than the other? Is it that natural? Well, for me, I started doing impressions when I was five, but I had a severe speech impediment. So um, I went into speech therapy for eight years, first grade through eighth grade. I was there two times a week and they were correcting my speech. And for me, I sounded like Elmer Fudd. This is what I was told by my family and friends. Uh, I, I don't remember because it was very traumatic for me. But I, one of the things I do have the ability to do is to hear my own voice because there's um, – and they, the, the, patho the speech pathologist told me this because they said, you know, when you do an impression, you're, we're not hearing your impediment. When you speak in your normal voice, we're hearing your impediment. That means your voluntary speech and your involuntary speech are operating differently because one of the things, the way we're built as humans, um, your, your voluntary speech, you can't hear yourself speak. Even right now, we're, it, we're kind of your head, it's kind of being drowned out. But when we hear this played back, people always say the same thing. That, that's what that, I sound like? That's me? That's how I sound? Yeah, yeah, that's how you sound. So being able to do impressions is able to, you know, take things and be able to hear how you can modulate your voice and, you know, all those tiny, tiny little things. It could be like Austin Powers, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> when I do it and when you do it are, are night and day different. You know, so how yes. do you, how do you, how do you fine tune that baby? You, you fine tune it by, you know, hours and hours. You know, I'm a big 10,000 hour person, like a Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. It, it's just practice, 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 and practice hearing your own voice. If you can modulate and adjust your own voice, you know, if you're, you know, uh, if you're able to figure out, and I was lucky because I was going to do Dr. Phil just then, yeah. but I was very lucky because the speech pathologists were working with me constantly on throat placement, on nasal placement, on vocal production, on tongue placement, where the voice actually should hit. It should be right about here. The nasal mask, 
that the sound is not just coming out of your mouth, but it's actually coming out of this whole thing. So we worked on this for years and they were correcting my speech, but I was kind of like, oh, wait a minute. If I do that, I could do, I could do Lieutenant Columbo. Folks, I hate to bother you. You know, because that was the, the, they gave me the mechanics to do that. So for me, I was given a roadmap on how to correct my speech, but at the same time manipulate my speech. And you can do it to anybody? Well, I can't do just anybody, but it takes time. You know, here it, it, it comes down to one thing. Is a voice in your genetic range? And I do Morgan Freeman. At five o'clock in the morning, I can do Morgan Freeman to about six. And then my voice just goes it kind of wakes up, but if my voice is really low, I can do Morgan Freeman, because I was seeing Andy at Shawshank Prison. But I right now, I'm struggling to do it, because my voice is not naturally low. That's a full octave below my yeah. speaking voice. But in the morning, when it's all fresh, I say not, actually the opposite of fresh, it's all closed up. Yeah. I can do those lower things, you know, but you know, you listen to people and you listen to cadences and how they talk. And if you get your voice down low enough, hey, it's Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Hey, I gotta tell you, things are tough all over. <laughs> you know, you want to hear those different things, but that's what I do. I'm always listening to voice people. I'm, I have friends who are impressionists and narrators and I, I find it fascinating. I find voices and impressions and impersonations because I do the full thing. I do the makeup. And yeah, I was about to say you and, take it. Yeah, I'm like an extreme impressionist. Level. Yeah, because I have a theater background and then when I first started doing this stuff, I wanted to, if I was going to do a representation of someone, I want to I want to remove every obstacle obstacle of believability. So if I'm doing Trump, it's a $4,000 wig, it's the contacts, it's the makeup, it's the whitening of my teeth, it's a $1,500 Trump suit and tie and a French cuff shirt and everything I can do to make this almost more of an actor kind of doing a part as opposed to me just doing an impression. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my goal. Yeah. You know, and that came after years of being on stage and doing comedy and learning, you know, one of the greatest things about being a, a stand up for the very few years that I did it was I became a much better writer. Mm -hmm. You have to make things concise. And I had a great teacher in New York, uh, Debbie Casper. It was a six-week course. It was a lot a lot of writing. But over that time, you're, you're writing, making it clearer, literally removing words from a sentence and making it so an audience can grasp, grasp something with the least amount of words and it still gets the comedic effect out of it. And I was, I, yeah. I was so happy that I had found her. And it, th those years were great. And you just become... Uh, and, and you're speaking in your persona. You're writing in your persona's voice, and it's and it's great. It, it's it's there's nothing like getting in front of an audience. You know, we did the the night where Jimmy Kimmel was like, I really need to get like put a new act together, yeah, and just be up there as me. Mm -hmm. And then there's a nakedness about it too. You're up there as Darcy Silver, and it's it can be overwhelming. You know what I mean? Your your set has to be like rock solid. You have to have your persona rock solid. You've got to be you know, ready to be interrupted and not lose your place. There's just a lot to it, you know? Yeah. And that's why, unlike anything else, you can be an actor and practice your lines. You can be a singer and practice singing in your house. You can be a musician and practice 10 hours. You cannot practice being a stand-up. You 
have to be in front of a live audience. <laughs> you have to be. You got to do it. You've got to do it. Yeah. You know, and there, and you, you go to these, I was going to open mic nights and with a buddy of mine, Joe Dallow, who's a comedian in LA, <clears throat> this is in the nineties, but, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're hoping you get on by 10 or 11, but you, you've got, you're down to five people. And you're glad there's five people left to hear your act. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a, it's a long road. I give every working standup comedian huge credit. Yeah. Huge credit. You you're, you're, you're making this sound very difficult. One, that's going to take a lot of practice. So it's not going to happen overnight. No. And two, you got to get in front of that live audience in order for it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I had this dream, you know, I had a dream to be a stand-up comedian, and I started getting work. I was being booked in, you know, Philadelphia area, comedy cabarets, comedy works. I was in South Jersey, North Jersey. I got a booking in Pittsburgh. I think it was Bananas. Um, and I, you know, you're, I can't believe it, I'm driving for Peanuts. You know, you get there, and it's like the club. <laughs> no one wants you there. One, my joke was, um, comedy club owners would love if they didn't have to have comedians <laughs> to make, you know, to sell beer and sell food. And that's how they. That's you know, that's because one of the things you mean you have this dream of doing comedy. Every comedy club is different. It's not a network. It's not McDonald's. The sight lines are different. The sound in the room is different. Um, how close you are to the audience is different. You have to be mentally prepared for a totally different environment. Yeah. You And I used to, you know, 8 o'clock, I'd go out, you know, two night shows. I'd do the 8 o'clock show, kill. Yeah. Kill. 10 o'clock show, they hate me. Wow. And I'm thinking like, I, I, I'm doing the. Same act I did two hours ago. You would think to the same exact same market. Yeah, but every audience has groupthink. Mm -hmm. And that audience makes their decision on you in the first five to seven seconds. Literally when you're walking on stage. Yeah. If they like you. Yeah. So that's why your persona is so important. Because your your persona should start in the in the holding area. Yeah. And when you walk on stage, you are that character, but with confidence. You're coming in with so much confidence. Mm -hmm. I'm here to make the I'm gonna rock this room. You know, yeah. because if you're not and they sense that, the Yeah. So have you seen a religious Jewish person? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. In the full in the full regalia. Yeah. But you wouldn't be wearing that on stage. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to figure out what's the right persona. So is it a character of myself in the full garb like that? Right. Or is it just I would try a it. voice switch, right. you know, into that sort of thing, right? It, it almost is this, uh, you know, self-discovery, right, and relatability, right. you know, that people have. Uh, but is it in a character? And is that character good, evil? We're living in Sin City here, you know, getting real, basically, right? Right. 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 Do you plan on doing this outside of Las Vegas, your stand-up? Uh, no. Oh. Not for right now, okay. anyway. <laughs> Good. Then you can write to that. Obviously, you know, if you're being that specific, that wouldn't work when you go to Southern California. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I was talking uh, with, with Tyler at Rumors Comedy Club, mm -hmm. and he was saying basically like you were talking about with the different types of stages you could be on. Right. That the, you have the comedy club, which is almost like the basement theme. It's supposed to be dark. 
you're supposed to be close, intimate. Yes. That's where often the comedians are trying their new material. Right. Then you get to the next tier, which is like the auditorium style where you have a lot more distance. There's a lot more people. It's, mm -hmm. a, you know, a, a different style. You, you know, it is a lot totally money, different. You're great. trying to connect with somebody who's yeah. 15 feet away as opposed to someone who's literally at your feet. Yeah. Or even further away, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I mean, but when those intimate clubs, they're sometimes literally at your feet, which is incredible because you're bonded yeah. to them. They're part of the stage. Yeah, they're part essence, of the stage. Right? And makes I'm, it easy for yeah. them to It was to a comedy club in Richmond, Virginia, and I forget the name of it, but literally, I was Jesus, these yeah. people are like right here. Which makes me wonder, so how Matt Reif would do in a situation where he's not able to, you know, engage the audience as much because it's now, you know, bigger shows that are being done. Right. And at the highest tier is, is corporate events. And that's right, where you're, that's the, you're where the most am. challenged as a comedian, because in essence, you have a group of people that are forced to be there. They didn't come out for a comedy night buying tickets, right? The, the company said, make them laugh. <laughs> right. But conversely, I do a lot. My living is corporate comedy and they are incredibly smart and engage audiences. There's, you're not going to get a group of 35, 45, 50, you know, 60 year olds who haven't done this before, who know, who are going to, you know, be a regular audience, but a better audience. They are far better audiences as far as I'm concerned. An engaged audience is great. And they're not going to heckle you. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's nobody trying to help you in the audience. They're there and their their bosses are watching them. And, you know, it's, it, I, I love it. I, I, I far actually prefer it. Yeah. 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 And and that's, you know, the the best that you can right. be in that in that uh realm of things. So, you know, as we build up from one tier to the next, right? We have to create this persona, right? right? And that Number persona one. starts off oh, always with yourself or it immediately No, it's a, it's 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 you. It's some yeah. form of you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, it's just it, it's got to be how you want to relate to the audience. Are you the schlub or are you the, the you know, or the, the, the strong yeah. guy, you know, who doesn't get it? You can't be both. You can't be both. You cannot be both. That's confusing to the audience. Yeah. You know, once you set that thing, and that's why they'll come back to you, and that's why they'll see you again. This guy was so funny. You know, the way he sees the world, he's just so put upon. And look at all the great comedians. And I, you know, I was joking around doing, um, you know, hey, uh, Rodney Dangerfield. But Rodney Dangerfield is the classic put upon comedian. He, and, and that's a style. It's a very, that's a style. But all of the jokes sprung from that. His son was a loser. His wife is cheating on him. She can't cook. The daughter's a loser. She's out all night having sex. So feel all bad for me type of thing. Right, right. But it was brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was all one-liners. Yeah. There wasn't a narratively structured thing that ran out other than the fact that he that couldn't get a break. Throughout. Yeah. Right. And Henny Youngman, who is kind of, you know, Rodney's a little bit of a descendant of Henny Youngman. Same thing, but with a violin, mm -hmm. you know? And and you you mentioned the music, musician thing. All comedians are musicians. Mm -hmm. All comedians. What do you mean by that? Well, you're you're playing your material. Mm -hmm. Your material's written in a way that you're playing the audience. It's very musical, you know. And that's what you because timing and the, the tone. timing, the tone, this joke, that joke. You know, a little bit of point point. Do you have a structure? You know, I, I did. I, I'm trying to, as I write material. Yeah. You know, it, should it be one liners? Should it be three or four points that then tie into something else? 
and then somehow you have to come back to it. Right. I love one-liner comedians, but it's hard to have an emotional connection to them other than Rodney. Uh, he's an exception. That's why he was so huge. But there's some great, and they're comedian, they're uh, Canadian comedians actually, but they're really, really funny. But you never sense that connection to one-liner comedians. It's the other ones that have maybe three and four jokes that that are structured to reinforce your persona. Those are the you, you know those are the ones you connect to. And I'm going to use Sebastian again only because I was just watching some of his stuff. And there's the other guy who's out right now, a Norm somebody, uh, but super smart guy. Yep. All this stuff is just really intelligent. He doesn't look it. He kind of looks like, you know, a millennial comedian. But man, when he speaks, you're like, this guy's really smart. And his take on things, the way his brain works is incredible. You know, and that's, you want that connection to the audience. Got it. You know, basically unraveling your mind to to the audience right. and how you're thinking about it. I like the way, that, that's a great way to say it, unraveling your mind. Yeah. You know, because there's so many things going on in the world. Um, you, there's so many things you can point to and build a joke out of. How much material do you have at this point? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any material. I have no, you don't, you don't have, we're building it right now. I'm sure other comedians have told you this and you can do it on your phone. I do it all the time. But right when you have a comedic idea, when you think something is funny, write it down. I, I, I have started to do that. Write it down. I've started to do that. So yeah. I, ha I have I have one here and we can try to work on a little bit of mm -hmm. this as we wrap things up. So so we're, we're here at UNLV. You know, th this is a drug free campus. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still looking for them. You know, does anybody know where these free drugs are? <laughs> okay, that's good. I could use some more Adderall to study. Right. <laughs> yeah. But if you can string three Adderall jokes together, your audience mm -hmm. will laugh their heads off. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll know it. They'll totally connect to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, uh, in college, you know, the exploration is here, you know, so who's gotten their first STDs yet? Right. I mean, SATs. <laughs> <laughs> good kid, Mr. <laughs> Exit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's certainly writing things down mm -hmm. and then how do you massage it, work on it? You have to deliver have to it to other out. people. You have to go out. To, yeah. If you have a circle of friends who are funny people, run that by them, you know, but get to a, get to an open mic night, see what other comedians are doing, figure out the comedians that you really like, you know, Gary, I was a huge Gary Shandling fan and then a, um, uh, Seinfeld, Seinfeld fan. These guys are like master joke writers. And I'm sure you saw the documentary on either one of them, mm -hmm. but they write every day. Yeah. They write every day. They're constantly, their heads, if, they, can't, they can't avoid it. Yeah. And they're, and well, the thing is, the, they, the blessing and the curse. The blessing and the curse. But, you know, there are days where they don't want to write, but they write it anyway. Write something. Write something and fix it later. Yeah. Don't wait to be inspired. I, I listen to this book because I don't read. <laughs> Good. There's <laughs> a write, joke in how there. How to write funny. Right. And, you know, you write it down and then you come back to it. Right. Don't, don't say this is gold. When you reread it, does it still have the same... And you have to do that a couple of times before just to see if it's actually funny or not. Because when you think it's funny today, tomorrow, it's like, what the hell was I even saying? Right. And, you know, again, Debbie Casper, I remember coming to her, my, my teacher in New York, and she told me, you know, that if you truly think this is funny, then it, that it, then it is funny. You're just not communicating it right. And that was a big that that really helped me a lot with even with the character writing. It has to be you've got to make it clear. They've got to understand it. 
you know? Yeah. And we as, and, and as writers, you add a lot of words that you don't necessarily need. Take those out. Get to the joke, you know? The, not the setup. So, so that, the that's setup. It. Well, like don't have a telling mer- versus the one liners. Yeah. How much you want to cut out as many right. words as you can. Right. This don't have a also don't have a meandering setup. That should be pretty clear too. And you have very sophisticated audiences now. They more comedy is being consumed on a daily basis right now online than in the entire history of American comedy. Which was 75 years. Yeah. And I'm talking stand-up, not, you know, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. That's being consumed every day. Yeah. Every day. People love it. Yeah. But they're consuming as much as the 75 years before in a single day. Yeah. So audiences are incredibly sophisticated. They're also getting a lot of crap because of online stuff. But the people who keep consistently breaking through some of these new comedians, I'm sure that are being fed to you on reels and everything, everything else. That's because a lot of people are already thinking this guy's funny. Yeah. This guy's really, really funny. And, and, and you've done it. You've, you've made that success happen. Yeah. I'm continuously hammering it and refining that, expertise you know right i'm very lucky to make a living as a as a comedian with inside the character inside the character world give us a one-liner and and a voice as we well i have to tell you you know i just want to thank you for having me on and paying my five million dollar appearance fee i don't need it i don't need it i'm rich i'm really (laughs) really rich but i'm going to donate it to my favorite charity five million dollars darcy to the love seas foundation well no 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 Uh, actually it's to a really wonderful group of people called billionaires without borders it makes it possible for billionaires and high-end millionaires you see that i'm very inclusive to travel the world without coming in contact with poor or unattractive people. I mean, because who wants to be with them? They're ugly and they're broke. You know, terrible people. Mr. Trump, thank you so much. Well, it was yeah. great being here at QUNV.org. It's really amazing. Really amazing. You know, I was first in my class at the University of Pennsylvania. Of how many people? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It was never good with numbers. Never good with numbers. <laughs> Excellent, John Dinamitico. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good luck with this journey. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Love Seats Comedy Podcast. You can follow this glorious podcast at unlv.edu forward slash KUNV forward slash podcast and Love Seats on social media at Love Seats and Real Love Seats. And that's L-U-V-S-E-A-T-S, all one word. You've been a lovely audience. Until next time, share the love. Thank you.